0: Thank you, worship team. That was really good. Um, even though there's only a few of us here in the building today, you uh, could definitely sense the presence of the Lord. Um, before we get into the word, why don't we uh, say a prayer together? Lord, we are here for you this morning. We thank you, God, that you have uh, gathered us together in your presence, Lord. Uh, Be near or far, Lord, that uh, you are not bound by space or by time or by anything, God. You have no limits. You are are limitless, God. And yet at the same time, Lord, God, you are near to us, Lord, and you speak to us and you uh, guide us and you lead us. And that's what we pray this morning, God, that you would... uh, Speak your heart to us, Lord, that we would have open uh, eyes to see and open ears to hear. And let the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God. Right, so, um, good to, uh, know that you guys are out there and see a few, uh, good-looking faces here this morning, um. I'm going to just jump right into the scripture. Uh, in case you're unaware, we've been going through the book of Ephesians, the epistle um, of Ephesians, Paul writing to the the uh, church in Ephesus and kind of the wider churches around that area. Um, we've been at this for months, um, digging deep, um, and uh, especially lately, uh, just taking a few verses at a time. So uh, this morning, I'm gonna just going to use one verse, uh, Ephesians 5.17. So Ephesians 5.17 says, Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Well, anytime you start with something like therefore, you kind of have to look back at what was before. So referring back to Pastor Scott's sermon last week on, on the verses before, Paul's saying, Therefore, being careful of your walk, Therefore, being wise and making the best use of your time. Now, don't be foolish, but instead understand what the will of the Lord is. So that's the big question. What is the will of the Lord? Well, to start at kind of a smaller narrative level, Let's think of this will of the Lord in the context of Ephesians, which we're reading. You know, you can't just jump out and say it doesn't have anything to do with that. It certainly does. If you read the book, the the epistle of Ephesians, as we have been for months digging deep, going into it, it's pretty clear what the will of the Lord is. We know what the will of the Lord is in terms of what's going on with the Ephesians, that uh, we know that it's, uh, the will of the Lord is not to quarrel, uh, not to engage in sexual immorality, to tell the truth, and not to get drunk, um, use your time well. And there's a, a variety of different uh, precepts that, that uh, Paul is encouraging the Ephesians in. These things are the will of the Lord for the first century Ephesians and for all times, including today. But let's step back a little bit further. I mean, is that all that the will is? Is everything contained in Ephesians? Well, no, certainly not. And so we ask the question, what is his will for us today? What is his will for us? If we believe that the word of God is alive and active today, as it says in Hebrews, It's not hard to say that God is willing to share his will with us for today. And this seems to be one of the great questions of our time, and maybe all times, but it seems especially this time, maybe even more over the last few months as, you know, there's chaos and, you know, we don't know what's coming next and what's happening. What is God's will for us? Or what is God's will for me? That's an okay question to ask. How do we find it? How do we know or how do we find what the will is, the will of the Lord is today? Well, before we jump into, well, what is the will or how do we find out the will? Let's step back for a moment and think about um, NASCAR. Now, we know that if you're, I am not a NASCAR fan. Just let me just put it out there. But uh, I can appreciate some of the stuff that's going on uh, with that. Um, so the NASCAR drivers, you know, they go to the Daytona 500 or whatever. And when, the, when they're ready to start, they go. You know, gentlemen, start your en- engines and then they, then they go, right? And they run, run the race. But do you think that they just kind of go from race to race? Like, oh, we're done with this one. Okay, let's just drive to the next racetrack and race again. No, there's a ton of preparation work that goes into those cars. You ride, drive it for 500 miles, you're going to have to, in between, prep it for the next race. Make sure the engine's right, the oil's right, the, the wheel alignment's right, you know, that the, the driver is healthy, and all these things. There's a lot of preparation. Uh, think about it as a preparation or a precursor for the actual race being started. So before we ask the question of what is God's will for me, we need to ask ourselves a couple of other questions to prepare to hear the word of the Lord. And the first one I think that we need to ask is, are we surrendered? Now, I could talk a ton on this. We could talk for years on just... What does it mean to be surrendered? Um, But if you've been coming to church on Sunday, or you have the option to watch the Ephesians series online um, for the last couple of months, you can pick and choose almost at random any one of these sermons, and almost every one of them, uh, Scott or whoever's preaching, says something about surrender. So I'm not going to spend a lot of time talking about this. Um, Even last week or, or maybe three weeks ago, it was all about surrender. And that's really the main idea of what God's asking us throughout the New Testament is to surrender our lives, right, and our will. Surrender or, or submit our, ourselves and our will to God or even sacrificing ourselves. Um, maybe a common verse that you have heard before, I know my kids have because they're memorizing this one right now at home, is Romans 12, 1 and 2. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer or submit or surrender your bodies as a living sacrifice. Offer yourself as a sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. And then verse 2 is is even more telling, I think. He says, do not conform to the pattern of this world or or the culture of our time, the the evil uh, culture of this time but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. What God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. The point is, if you submit or surrender yourself to God, then you will be able to test and approve and know what his will is. The good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. Another uh, verse that I think kind of talks a little bit about this is, is um, Psalm 37, verse 5. And I'm actually going to read it out of the message, because I think it, the message version of the Bible, because I think it, it really hits it right. It says, Open up before God, keep nothing back. He'll do whatever needs to be done, and he'll validate your life in the clear light of day. So as with anything, we need to lay it down. We need to lay our whole lives down, our whole will down to surrender to God, whether that be your gifts, your weaknesses, your prestige, your need to please please others or validate yourself, your right to revenge. We talk about our rights all the time. We have no rights, really, like, we need to lay all of our rights down to God. Your control of your own life, a lot of us have these control issues. That at some level, I think we all want to control our own lives, right? Not have somebody else controlling us. And we need to lay down all of our decisions. I'm not sure that God cares about our decisions like <clears throat> what we get on our pizza or anything like that. You know, um, unless you put pineapple on your pizza and I would say that you're in sin and you need to repent of that. I don't know what's going on. You know, you know, keep your sweet and your savory separate, man. It's why are you going to salt something that's already so good or, or put sweetness on something? That's, uh, that's just uh, one of my my things. But no, truly, um, we need to lay all of our decisions down to God, not just the ones that we want to lay down, or not just the ones that we want direction for. That means even decisions you've already made in your heart, like maybe you've already decided if you're in high school, which college you've decided upon, or which car you're going to buy next. Um... Or that you've made a decision that you're going to move to Portland after you graduate. Um, or that you're going to buy that house or that job that you're going to switch to, that you've decided you're going to switch to. Or those jeans that you're going to buy. You know, uh, maybe that seems small, but, you know, materialism is a huge thing for, for us. Or, or the, that, that iPhone that you're going to update to really soon that you've decided that that's the right thing to do. Or that boy that you're going to make into your boyfriend, you've decided that. Now, some of these things may not seem inherently bad. I mean, it's not wrong to date. It's not wrong to get a new iPhone or get new jeans or, you know, pick a college. But but to truly surrender fully to God, we need to... Submit fully to God. Submit our lives, our will, and our decisions. Okay. So what does this have to do with our scripture to understand what the will of the Lord is? That's kind of step number one. It's kind of like the preparation of of getting ready, getting our hearts ready to receive from God. Again, we could say a lot about the idea of surrender, but... (laughs) We have been for weeks and months. Um, I would say there's also another preparation, though, a second preparation or precursor in finding the wills of the Lord, the Lord's will. And I think that second preparation is that we need to believe that he will show us his will. Our Ephesians text, God commands us here, you know, understand what the will of the Lord is, but I don't think the way he's saying it is as a harsh rebuke. You know, uh, uh, don't be foolish and understand. You, you need m- must understand what the will of the Lord is. I mean, I guess you could read it that way, but when I read it, I don't, I don't read it that way. I, I feel like he's saying, now, I've given you some ideas, that, so don't be foolish but hey, understand what the will of the Lord is. I mean, we can put our own voices in there, but I don't feel like this is one of those harsh, rebuking sort of commands or precepts of God. And you know why? Because in God's character, he loves to speak to us. He loves to speak to you. He loves to shower us with Words of love. He loves to give us words of forgiveness and redemption. He loves to speak to us about mercy and grace. And He actually loves to give us direction. You want to know what His will is? He wants to share what his will is. Because he knows what's best for us. And because he knows the best place, the best relationship, best mode of transportation, material possession that you should have in order to help his gospel go forth and make it hard for people around you to reject him and go to hell. He has the best decisions in how to make his gospel go forward through us. And that's another reason he speaks to us. And I think he just loves when we take great joy in finding something we love or find the right fit where our spirit is at peace. So, Uh, My wife and I have lived in Providence for uh, nearly 15 years. We lived in Texas before, had, had a good house and life and stuff. But we started praying about what was next. God, where do you want to send us? We felt like God wanted us to plant a ministry in a, in a, um, somewhere where there was a need. And so we prayed and, you know, one thing led to another and, uh, really, it was kind of a supernatural word that God told us providence. It's kind of funny because, um, yeah, I mean, there's a whole story to it, but, but it, um, it happened for one of us that we kind of heard about providence and God started speaking to us. And then it took a little while for the other one to um, hear about it. But, but anyway, we knew that we were supposed to move to providence. So in, in, after getting prepared, we came here We didn't have a house, we didn't have any kids, so we didn't have a family. Uh, Lynn was starting a brand new job, like, from the get-go. She didn't really know much about it at all. I was uh, uh, without a job, but you know what? We were at peace and we had great joy because we just knew that this is where God had been planning for us to go. And I think he, He was taking, he was joyous about that. He was joyous about us finding peace. You know, God is not a God who takes great pleasure in withholding good things from you. No, my God is a God of abundance. And he gives out of his fullness. My favorite verse in the Bible is John 10.10. It says, the thief of our soul comes only to steal and kill and destroy. And steal and kill and destroy good things, take them away from us. But Jesus says, I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. James 1.17 says, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights. So surrender and then believing that God will speak to you. I think those are like the two big props or precursors. Um, and once you get those down, you're kind of ready. So what are you ready for? Well, for the rest of the time, I'm going I'm to get into some, some practicals. Um, I have sort of this list that has been kind of pushed and, and then I've changed it a little bit, but it's really actually can't come from... There's lists all over of how do you hear the word of the Lord, but there's this one guy that I know that that wrote this list of eight precepts, and I've kind of uh, kind of followed those. So I'm actually going to like eight questions that, that he asks, and so I'm going to kind of go through that. So I'm going to read a little bit of what he wrote, but I'm going to also... Add my own comments, and, and where I think God is, is talking to us specifically. So, there's eight questions that I think provide a biblical framework for decision-making. And I'm just going to go through all eight. The first one is, what does Scripture say? What, the, the Bible, the Holy Bible, uh, Holy Scripture because this is God's sort of line in the sand, right? Um, the, the, the Bible is called the canon, which means it is the measuring stick against we measure everything we think and do as followers of Christ. It's the final authority as far as we're concerned. So if we're feeling kind of something or acting in some way which is clearly in contradiction to scripture, we need to stop and and kind of check that out because God will never direct us to do something that is clearly in contradiction to his word. And often, a lot of us as Christians look for supernatural revelation, which I'll talk a little bit about, on a specific choice. Especially if you have a charismatic lean or bend like I do. Um... A number of years ago, I did an internship, to uh, uh, a year of an in- internship before I went into campus ministry. And I remember at that time during the internship, we were talking about how to hear the word of the Lord, or how to hear God's voice, which is clearly a scriptural thing. And I had a choice, a decision to make, um, and I, I don't even remember exactly what it was, but I was thinking, I just need to go to God and take quiet time and just listen to him. God, what do you want me to do? I, it had something to do with the preaching something. Um, I do remember that. And I was like, God, what do you want me to say? I need your word, I need, I need a word. Lord, I need, I need to hear you. You know, i take, and like a week, I just did that and, and I didn't have my Bible with me or maybe I had a journal, but I just, you know, just got quiet and waited and waited, and waited. And this is one of those times where God did actually speak to me. But you know what he said? Read my word. So he was bringing me back to what we must begin with, which is scripture, because it is God's revelation. 2 Timothy 3 says, all scripture is God-breathed. That God-breathed word is in the Greek, it is theopneustos. Now, you don't need to uh, memorize Greek or whatever, but, but that's a fun word to remember, theopneustos. All scripture is theopneustos and is useful for teaching, teaching, rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness. So all scripture is God-breathed from God. Okay. The second thing is in finding the will of the Lord is Are you becoming the person God wants you to be? Now, this kind of relates to everything we started with. But as you search the scriptures, you will see that God is far more interested in the kind of person you are than in what you do or where you go. In Luke uh, 6, chapter 6, Jesus pointed out that Character determines action. When he said, a good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. So it's about who we are or who we are becoming. So when faced with any choice, we must ask both whether our motivation is Christ-like and whether a decision will help or hinder the development of Christ-likeness in us. What about number three? Number three, in finding out or understanding what the will of the Lord is for us. What are your gifts and talents? Now, Scripture says that God gives all Christians, all followers of Jesus, spiritual gifts. 1 Corinthians says, Now to each one, The manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. That means everyone who is following Jesus has been gifted with spiritual gifts by God's Spirit. I believe that even before the world was formed, even before we became followers of Jesus, that he's already put that in us. But we have to live it out. We have to follow, become followers of Jesus first, but then we need to live out the gifts. But he's also given us natural gifts abilities. So when we make our decisions, we must take both our spiritual gifts and our natural talents into consideration, because they may indicate what God wants you to do. Now, there's a lot of overlap with some of these, and, and you, you know, obviously you could say, well, I, it was this and this, or it was just this, or, and, and maybe it's not an exhaustive list you could add to it, I'm sure, but um, let me know what I missed. Number four, what do your Christian pastors, parents, mentors, and friends encourage you to consider? The Lord has placed people in our lives for a purpose. Hopefully, you've opened up enough to someone or a few that they know you and understand your character, your gifts, and your talent. And so you have to be open for this to work, at least at some level. And 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 since we're saying that, let me just give a, a, a brief advertisement for Renaissance small groups. This is all about, this is what small groups are about. Growing closer to Jesus together and getting to know one another, learning about what the will of God is in your life and, and having other people pray into you and pray for you and and praying for others. This is, I mean, for me, this is the, when I read this, I'm thinking of with Small Group, Renaissance Small Groups. This is what it's supposed to look like. So, part of discerning or understanding the will of, the, of God is listening to others. Um, when I got saved, or when I turned my life over to Christ in the summer of 1993, um, I was going to the University of Michigan, and that summer, a very dramatic thing happened um, where God spoke to me. I'm not going to go too much in detail, but I was, I was living in the darkness. I was on the road to hell. I was just bad. My friends were bad. Everything was bad. Um, and in the matter of 15 seconds, everything switched. And I was no longer on the road to hell. I was on the road to heaven. My actions and my attitudes were getting better. Um, and so God did that in me. I, I have no, I can't take any credit for that. But when that happened, um, I was so excited and exuberant and, and stuff that uh, I, I was like, okay, um, I gotta get out of my uh, lease that I have with my friends for next year going to Michigan, which God miraculously did. And um, you know what, I should, I'm just gonna drop out of Michigan And uh, what do do Christians do when they, uh, oh, I'm going to go to Bible college. That's what I should do, right? That's what I'm going to do because that's what Christians do, right? And so um, my dad was really excited that he saw my life change even in a matter of weeks. And he was excited that I was following Jesus and that I wasn't, you know, in rebellion as much anymore. And, uh, you know, but my dad was also probably the wisest man I've ever met. And he was excited and he was encouraging, but he also had the wisdom to say, slow down, (laughs) you know, slow down. Let's talk about this. Let's look at our options. Let's pray. One thing led to another, and I realized that going back to Michigan and finishing out my next couple of years was the best thing. And in all honesty, for me, I'm not making this as a general statement, but I probably grew more there living in that culture learning about faith and, and living it out than I'm, I may have had going to Bible college. That was the right thing because I listened to my dad and he was, you know, he's a spiritual man. He understood the will of the Lord. Okay, number five. What circumstances are you going through that may provide direction? See, circumstances can prepare you for what God wants to to do in your life. Yes, God is working through the circumstances of your life. Um, The guy who I said wrote this wrote, they are more than coincidences, they are God incidences. (laughs) It's not my words, but he is orchestrating our lives and our story. But there's a caution. I want to say be careful with this one because just because certain things are happening in your life does not not mean that they're from God. Now, we know that God is sovereign and, and this is a great mystery. But why then does sin, evil, and injustice exist? Is that God's will? And if everything that happened here is God's will, why would we be instructed by Jesus to pray, God, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, as if it's not already being done. So there are things happening in our lives and in our world that are not God's will. And we need to pray to God that he would change them. But again, circumstances in our lives, we need to live into our lives and understand what's happening. Number six, this is kind of the fun one. Have you heard the supernatural voice, or have you heard god 's voice or god 's revelation? Um, so uh, again, this is my bent i you know i'm I believe in a charismatic theology, and I am always expecting to hear god's voice um, and this is my experience i mean this is uh this is how I was discipled. this is you know um, this is how I learned to to know God and and I by saying this, I'm not I don't consider myself to be a better Christian or more spiritually attuned to the Holy Spirit than anybody else in here um, or out there does. It's just my experience. So there's numerous times in my life where I have heard the voice of God, not ever, an audible voice but it was clearly not me um like i shared a little bit about my uh salvation story where i was sitting with my mom after going out i came home one night and we were going to start a conversation and just then i heard what was clearly vo- clearly the voice of god where he said it's time to change i remember that i remember what was going on i remember context, I remember the voice. It was so clear. And, I mean, for me, I understood also what that meant because I had been growing up in a Christian home. I had kind of understood the idea of Jesus and, and following him. I wasn't doing it. But when he said that, it, it just changed. Everything changed for me because I heard the voice of God. And I couldn't, like, run away from it. Uh, he... I like to say the minute God rescued my that minute God rescued my life from a quick exit to hell to another exit. Um, maybe even more dramatic, at least for me, was when I got called into the ministry. I won't give you the whole story, but it was a similar thing. I was not in a place where I wasn't like in worship or um, prayer or reading the word, or I didn't expect to hear. But God called me. He said, "Um, you have the call into ministry. And um, again, it would take a long time to explain this. But when he said that, that to me was the closest thing to an audible voice that I've ever heard. I, I still, there are times in my life where I wonder, am I doing what God wants me to do? You know, maybe I'm feeling down or depressed or something. And you know, am I really called into the ministry? All I need to do is go back to that place. And I'm like, no, that was, that was God. And I wasn't planning on it for, I wasn't waiting uh, in a sense. I wasn't in prayer, but it just happened. Um, and again, when we moved to Providence, Lynn and I moved to Providence, um, it was gradual, but nonetheless, there was a voice from God, and uh, Lynn, like I said, actually didn't hear her at the same time, but a couple weeks later, they were in some sort of a prayer meeting with some other women, and this one woman was really a mess, all sorts of stuff going on in their lives, and they were praying for her, and she kind of made them stop and said, wait, I've got a word for you, Lynn. She didn't know anything about us, she didn't know Lynn, didn't, probably didn't even know her name at the time, and she gave her this vision about the city, and all the lights are green, and it's going down a hill, and we were like, and that was God's word to, to Lynn. And she's like, okay, yeah, we're right. We're, we're on, we're, we're together here on this. Uh, funny thing is, because that was my experience with all these big decisions in my life, um, when, I was, when I had fallen in love with Lynn, and I knew she had fallen in love with, with me, you know, I took a lot of time to pray. God, I need that word. I need the word from the Lord. I, I need a word from the Lord to know whether I'm supposed to get married to her. I never got a word. I was and I was like, oh no, am I not supposed to marry her because I didn't get a word? Well, here's the thing: it's, it's wonderful if God would speak to us audibly every time and tell us what to do. I mean, he does it throughout scripture to, you know, Moses, Isaiah, the, the apostles, you know, Paul. Um, throughout acts, um, and, and some of us can look at our own experience experiences maybe you have some similar to mine. but I would say such revelation or supernatural revelation is not really the general rule. and it's easy to fall into error if this is the only way you listen to God. But I would also say it probably happens more than we would acknowledge it, sometimes we just don't keep our eyes open and our ears open. Um, And again, another sort of funny thing is none of the persons mentioned through the Bible, Moses, Isaiah, um, Paul, um, were actually um, looking for supernatural revelation at that time. It just happened. So I guess... The end to that point is just be open to however God wants to manifest himself to you. Okay, two more. Um, number seven, when we wanna find out the direction of God, what impressions come to your heart as you do the things of God, the disciplines? The first Christians experienced the leading of the Holy Spirit through prayer, Acts ten nine, through reading God's word, Acts 1, through communal worship, Acts 13 and all over. So when you actually are praying earnestly, not just kind of your rote prayer of, you know, oh, I pray that, you know, peace would come in the world or, you know, which is a good thing or, you know, now I lay me down to sleep, which we do at night, but we always add to it. Um, so when it's not just rote prayer, but really earnest prayer, when you're really earnestly praying, do you sense anything that the Holy Spirit may be putting on your heart to do? or when you're earnestly worshiping, or really reading the word. I would say, for me, this is when I, the the times that I hear from God the most is when I'm in corporate prayer, or corporate worship, actually. I don't know why. Something about the presence of God. I don't know. And then finally, number eight. What is your heart telling you? Now, we need to remember and go back to the first preparation. We need to remember that we need to be surrendered to God. But this last one brings me to another one of my favorite verses, Psalm 37.4, which says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Now, notice what the psalmist is saying here. He's not saying I'm going to give you whatever your flesh wants or whatever you want. And like having a new car isn't necessarily a bad thing morally, but this is not what he's saying. He's not saying, delight yourself in me and I'm going to give you the things that you want. But what he is saying is that he gives you desires, meaning he replaces your desires. He takes his desires and puts them in your heart so that your desires are now what his desires are. And if you stay focused on delighting in him, you may realize one day, hey, I'm not desiring the new iPhone 25, you know, anymore. Um, or I'm not all caught up with that dude anymore. And maybe I even don't really want to date. Or I'm not obsessed with going to RISD. You know, all of these different things that we may have thought about. Now, we still have desires. But some of them that he gives us are brand new, right? Um, I don't want to go too long, but there was this uh, time when, when I first got saved and I got involved in a Christian group on campus uh, at the University of Michigan. And, um, you know, I was still a fleshly Christian and stuff. And, and when I went, I went, I wanted to know more about God. I wanted to know about the Bible. But I also realized when I got there, wow, there are a lot of good-looking women in this group. Just being honest, just being, you know, open with you. And I was like, this is awesome, you know. I I bet you I'm going to marry one of these girls because there's so many of them. They love God. They have good personalities, blah, blah, blah. And you know what happened over time as I got to know God better? You know what was the biggest, like, attraction? Was the ones who really loved Jesus. That was a new desire that God had placed in my heart. I want to marry or date somebody who loves God. That was not in me before. Um, and so, you know, funny thing is, is uh, there was this one girl who was, I didn't really know that well. She graduated a year before me, so I kind of lost touch with her. Ten years down the road, uh, I married her. And I'm still married to her. <laughs> Um, so I was right. Maybe God did put that in my heart specifically. But also desires. Maybe some of the old desires that we had. Some of your old desires that you had that weren't necessarily bad. Um, God may re-bring them up or, or renew them. Um, but the old ones that you had, they're usually renewed. Or, or you don't become obsessive about things anymore. Um Maybe God renews those things that he put in your heart and and you kind of feel clean about them now. Like you feel clean about getting the new iPhone 25 or whatever, or even redemptive in some level. And maybe God put them in your heart a long time ago and he's just reviving or resurrecting them afresh so that they're not in our lives as these obsessive things, things that we obsess about, but they're there in a healthy way. Finally, a bonus. Um, we just need to pursue and wait. I think that's, that's, that's the key. If you need to make a decision, like soon, or you think is soon, and are submitting it to God, he'll show you and answer you with the perfect timing. So, a different metaphor to end. Don't be fearful to give up the wheel. A lot of us are fearful of what what is God gonna tell me or where is he gonna bring me? We don't need to be fearful, he's on our side. If God is for us, who can be against us? He's the best driver. He won't let you crash and burn. He knows where you need to get to and when to get there. And he doesn't need Google Maps. Again, let me say what Paul reminds us in Romans. God is for us. Nothing could ever separate us from his love or his best purposes. Thank the Lord. Let's close in a brief word of prayer. Search us, O God, and know our hearts. Know our uh, anxious thoughts and see if there's any wicked way in us and lead us in the way everlasting. God, help us to take uh, stock of where we're at. Are we truly surrendered to you? Are we truly... Have we truly submitted our will and our decisions and our lives to you? God, refresh us, Lord. Help us to go back to you and surrender even more daily. Let us us, uh, live a life of repentance where we're turning back to you because you know, we walk away from you sometimes. But Lord, I pray, God, that it would be less and less of us walking away and having to turn back. But God, that our eyes would be focused squarely on you. God, help us to trust, God, that you've got good things. You're a God full of abundance. And you've got good plans for us. You can help us with the decisions we need to make. We can trust you, God, that you're not going to lead us on on the way of destruction, but you're going to lead us in the way of abundance and fullness. God, I pray again, Lord, Let the words of our lips and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. Oh God, in Jesus' name, amen.